0: Welcome back to A-B-Side with me, Ben, and our other host,
1: Ansi. Hi, guys.
0: Hey, Ansi. How are you doing?
1: I'm really cold and tired and moany. So if I'm a bit moany during this episode, please forgive me. I'm still single.
0: <laughs>
2: okay. okay.
1: No, you need to cut that. Oh, don't include that. Oh, really? my goodness. It's, it's a bit of a different vibe. Do you know why? Okay. Why is it a different vibe, Ben?
0: Because we can see each other this week.
1: Yes, we very rarely record a podcast where we um, have video. So normally it's like a phone conversation type of thing. But this time it's like a, like a Zoom call.
0: Do you know what's bad about this? Why? When you're talking, I can't just like scroll down my phone without you noticing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can. You just need to know how to do it stealthily. A lot of my... Um, the people that I do Bible studies with, you completely see that they're playing a game.
0: That's not stealthy then, is it? Ah. Uh. So, what are we doing this week?
1: We are on part three. Well, kind of episode two, part two. Well, no, it's this a bit is... complicated. This, what, is, what this is part then? three and a half. Is it three and a half? No.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Why is it half? Only part one was part one. Then there was part one point oh, five, yes. and yeah, so you right. Episode part two.
0: No. Oh, this we're this just is...
1: gonna we're gonna start with the
0: disagreement. We should. No, it's just episode three.
1: Oh, anyway, so whatever it is, however you label it, Ben, because I have no control over labeling these things. We are continuing on with our conversation about relationships, primarily focusing on this M word, marriage.
0: Marriage, <laughs> it's that's it. To me. I, and we've got our, our, um, uh, I guess, resident married couples who have been with us for three shows, apparently now. Um, the hoes. Hi hose. Hi ho. Hi
2: ho.
1: Exactly. Did you just really the <laughs> those?
2: <Good> <laughs>
1: Hi ho. So we have Anna and Daniel again.
3: Hey guys.
4: Hello. How Hello. are you doing this week? Yeah, we're good. Good.
3: good thanks. How are you? <laughs> not too bad.
1: Not too bad. And then who are like you? I like that
0: you guys are wearing matching shirts. I think that's. The
1: listeners can't see that. Very then. cute
0: couples. Do you want to describe, paint a word picture for us, Ansi?
1: They're both wearing, what is that? Carton? Checkered? Yeah,
2: Yeah. (laughs) plaid. Plaid,
1: plaid. Plaid. One's a yellow and black plaid, so Dan. And then Anna's wearing the red and black plaid. So cute. His and hers.
2: I'm defo shipping them right now.
1: (laughs) And then the other couple we have. Dana, Dana, sorry
2: hi, hi. we have
1: jason and hannah jenna henson oh uh,
2: the uh even more experienced married couple by
5: <laughs> 10 months
2: no probably like six
5: six months
2: <laughs> right like double yeah okay. nearly double <laughs> totally qualified
1: So Ben, what's our starter question for them? Okay,
0: I want to know who said "I love you" first. Let's start with uh, Daniel and Anna.
3: I actually tried to find the answer by looking through um, our past Facebook Messenger messages, oh. <laughs> and I just found like me a message from me to Daniel saying "I love Jack Cousteau," and I was like, "Who's that?" I think that's from friends, but I didn't find the answer. But I think we remember, right?
4: I think I said I love you yeah. first.
3: Yeah. I think he said it first. At what point in your relationship did you say it? As soon as we started dating, I think. Or maybe a bit before?
2: No, after. No, we after. Dating. It's
3: like straight away after. It was pretty soon.
4: Pretty soon, yeah.
3: He's a keen bean.
4: Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, what can
0: I say?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Jason and Hannah, what about you?
5: Um, neither actually so
0: you've never said it
5: we said it at the altar I'm <laughs> just kidding yeah. <laughs> yeah. no so Jason Jason's first confession to me was uh I know you love me <laughs> well more like I know you like me and I was like why do you say that
2: because, because I already knew that yeah um,
5: I was just like, that's really big-headed of you. It's
2: just really naggy.
0: Was that an effective pickup line?
2: It worked. We are here today. Um, I wouldn't recommend saying it in general. Um, uh, (laughs) I think that... Yeah, but I didn't say that I love you until...
5: No, I think we bigged it up in our heads, you know, like... Like, I love you is like a big thing, you know? The shows always go... The movies are always like, oh, he said the L word,
2: and especially in the movies, <laughs> if it's said really like, it like discreetly or subtly, like accidentally. Um, but I have to say that for us, it was definitely a little bit more meant. Um, I think I I knew whenever I was when I said it, I can't remember exactly, but I know that feeling inside where it was something to pretty defined because I wanted to say that you know, there's a lot of ways of meanings to I love you and there's different ways that love can develop. But I definitely wanted her to know that she was special and appreciated. And I don't say it to everyone. Except you call
5: everyone dear, though.
2: <laughs> That's just because my patience is seventies, and these ladies appreciate it. Nice.
1: At what point in the relationship did you say it then? Call them dear? Mm. No. What? I love you.
2: Oh, probably when we were dating.
1: Yeah,
5: I don't know if we said it when. I think we said it after we became official.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like when we were in a relationship. <laughs> Quite a deep dive, some might
0: say. I was, I was going to kind of say the opposite. Well, not the opposite, but it feels like maybe given our conversation a couple of weeks ago when we talked about like what does dating even mean. Um, the movies make saying I love you like a big step in the relationship after there's already all this intimacy. And usually, I guess, if it's if it's like the world, it's physical intimacy as well. And then you say I love you after that, which seems weird. For me, it seems like I love you is something that you want to say pretty early on into your actual official relationship. Right. Because otherwise, like, what are you actually why are you in a relationship with that person if you don't have very strong feelings for them already
1: but doesn't it doesn't it freak out people doesn't it like freak people out in terms of oh my god you said the l word
5: yeah i think that was what i was trying to imply that like i think the movies have made it so big in our head it's almost like it's become such a as if like you know being physically intimate comes before. Oh my goodness, the hours more than being being physically intimate,
1: which shouldn't be the case. But what's the difference between saying to someone, <laughs> "I like you" and "I love you"? What's the di- like? What's the difference there? <laughs> I, <don't
0: think laughs> I remember saying um, yeah. that to to Mandy when we were when we were before we were officially going out. Like, like we, I like you. Do I love you? Like it we had this this conversation, right? Um But I, yeah, I mean I think I think if you're going to enter into a long time relationship, you sh- you should probably be at the stage of loving that person, I think.
2: And I'd say that one of the things that I did tell henna, I think it was very matter of fact and one of these things which uh really shows that it's a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing and really we sometimes don't know what we're doing is i definitely told her that i love you but i before i fell in love with you if that makes sense um so it was one of those things to say hey i really think that you're special and i really appreciate you um and i don't know what i really really meant at the time uh but it was just to reemphasize that hey you know this this uh affection this way that i see you it means more to me at this time than simply the feelings that i think are supposed to happen or maybe jason's just really robotic or ice man and doesn't really (laughs) know how to feel those things properly but uh it was really to emphasize that the this this uh affection towards someone rather than being about how i felt emotionally
1: Okay, so this episode is uh, primarily focusing about marriage. The concept that we've explored in previous episodes, actually, I think since the start of this season, season two, series two, whatever you want to call it, um, I remember someone mentioning the whole process of leaving and cleaving in the early episodes. So marriage is usually described as leaving and cleaving. Do you think for you guys as couples now married couples do you think you've truly left and have you truly like are you truly cleaving with your spouse
0: Okay so Genesis 2:24 says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife I guess or cleave if you're reading the King James version and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both oh no never mind naked no <laughs> and they were not ashamed we don't need that verse
1: My question to the couples was, um, do you think you have truly left your family, your parents primarily, and do you feel like you guys have truly cleaved? cleft? Is that? Wait. I don't know. Past tense? Uh, Cleaving? Because you're still cleaving? It's such a weird word. uh, I I ask um, Hannah and Jason because they got married first. I don't know, it it wasn't
5: like a definite moment when... I I left home when I was 18. So geographically, I've left my parents since I was 18. Um, So in terms of cleaving, um, do I cleave to Jason now? I, I guess... Yeah, in some ways I do. Yeah, yeah, I do want (laughs) to talk.
2: So I think everyone's situations are going to be very, very different. And I know back perhaps in, I'm going to say the olden times, or even probably into, uh, maybe you could say the 1900s, people really lived with their parents or with their families and within the family unit until they really... Found someone else to be their spouse and then they would set up as their own. I think really how things are now are very, very different. And we already know that geographically, probably physically, slowly more than that, slightly more emotionally, because of things like university as a uh, situation or as a life stage, um, or even if you didn't go to university, sometimes there is the desire to go to college and uh, elsewhere. We do leave our parents for other reasons apart from relationally uh, for relationships and i think that's definitely something which has really changed the context of where we are now so for example henna she left malaysia whenever she is 18. i left norwich when i was 18. so geographically emotionally i've started to stand on my own two feet there are still aspects which we are still tied to our family though throughout university and we have that semi-dependency on not having you know people who are. Especially close. And, you know, even this is different because for each different family, it depends on how close you are beforehand and what your family situation circumstances were like. Um, and I completely understand that some people want to leave. Um, but I think there's that process that when we say that we get married, I think there was this process of, at least for myself and in my situation, I already know that my parents are far far away. I've already left them, and for me, I actually started talking to them more as I just grew up as a human being and then, as soon as I got married, it was not something which flicked off as a switch intentionally, but I think I had to purposely and uh, intentionally realize that hey i'm we're starting this new uh, this new unit, and as soon as Henna had moved into the house. Um, because that's how we chose to to do it, that she lived across uh, the, the road uh, with a friend and then she moved into the house when we got married, that this is something new. This is something fresh. This is something where we have this start and I need to be intentionally talking to you and prioritizing um, time with you and the way that I discuss things and um, more, and I say more, or in a, in a way that I would have potentially talked with my parents before. Now, it doesn't mean that I've completely shut my parents out and I don't talk to them, and I know that's extreme. We still talk, and we still ask them for relational advice because that is, you know, I, I'm not wise, is the short answer. And I am in this stage where I am. we're trying to figure it out, and I know that a lot of what I understand about relationships kind of comes from mirroring sometimes what I know about what my parents did. Um, And if not, then I'll look at it in terms of what the Bible tells me about relationships or what I see in other people in the church. And all that influences us. Um, But in this kind of context, I've already left my parents a long time ago, and it comes to this place of I need to really attach to Henna in that place of Hey, now we are one unit, and there is this place of this household. And what's my role in this as the head of the household? And what's our role alongside God um, in this? I'm going to drop the court, you know, this this court of three. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Daniel and Anna, you got anything to add? Uh,
3: not much to add, really. I think I took this question in terms of. Now that we're married, how much influence do our families have in our lives? And I think as Jason hinted, we still ask for and look out for our parents' advice and our family's advice. But I guess the change is that the final decisions are sort of made between us and God. And I think that's something that has changed with marriage, because I think before, both of us would put a lot of weight in what our families would say and sort of consider it quite separately until Uh, we got married and I think there was a shift in sort of decision making and how we just think through things um yeah
4: yeah I would say like actually even I I thought about it even slightly different from that as well in terms of um for me it was uh who like who's going to be the first port of call in terms of support systems um and previously I guess like you would go to your family you would ask your mom and dad you know for advice if you ever had any issues or uh you would confide in them or, or your siblings but when you get married it's it's your partner right your your wife or your husband they're your first port of call apart from god obviously um they're going to be the person that you talk to most um and then after that uh it, when it comes to i guess talking to family um you guys are going as yeah together as a unit to ask for advice from your family rather than it being as individuals,
0: yeah, and then I guess at that point it's it is advice rather than maybe um like submitting to your your parents' decisions in in whatever it is
1: but I guess it helps because for you guys, you guys have Christian parents, right, so they are in some respects still submitting to god's authority and they encourage you to also do likewise and there's a lot of um like you can reason and you can pray and you can that you're on the same team basically but i think from what i've seen from christians that have non-christian parents it's a challenge to leave and cleave because they have a conflict of interest from, you know, what the mother may want for the wedding um, or even to how you raise your children. There's an expectation of, especially in the Chinese culture of, you know, doing that whole piety thing and submitting to your authorities and things like that. Because in a Chinese setting, um, you do, you have to, literally put your family first but in this setting for you guys you guys know that you know you submit to god first and then you are one flesh and you work things through as a couple um and then you turn to your family so it's different
2: i think that's really interesting how you bring that up and the fact that us being chinese and living with this the chinese culture where um, parents are where, as we know, there's this honor system even within the family, and showing and directing that honor towards our parents. I th- and that you know, I think that is still super super important, and for all Christians, um, and showing that that way of honoring parents, whether they are Christian or non Christian, not just because they necessarily, uh, we say they deserve or don't deserve but just because it's that act of um of showing them honor and respect because of who they are um <clears throat> i think when it comes down to the leave that's where even more so i think it's super important to know how to set those boundaries could i say uh, with with parents it's not something that i think that we or i can imagine having a discussion with my parents about but I can also imagine that if my parents lived around the corner and if I did have children and they there were tensions I can imagine also having to have talks with them and really discussing it also with my wife and these tough talks are really really tough Um, trying to navigate them but about where leaving and cleaving really really matters Um, you know as with marriage and with any thing which in god's eyes and in the bible is supposed to reflect how the union of christ with his bride i think that's where it's super important where we realize what it really really means because this marriage is meant to reflect so much of that what leave and cleave means to set all things regardless whether they are sometimes seen and perceived as good or bad to set those things apart and really be cleaving to Christ. And I think that's where in this union that we have now, we have to really, really chase after those things, which are, which are Christ-like as such.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't really read this passage as a command, more of just a, like that's the way that that things are, you know, in Genesis. Um, It's just talking about Eve being created, and then then that's where the, the verse comes in for this reason. She's been taken from Adam's rib. For this reason, they'll be joined together as one flesh. So I I didn't really see it as a command to Christians that we are to sort of abandon our families more more than, or our parents, more than just like, this is what happens when there is a, a union, you've formed something new. And I don't think that means that you are rejecting or kicking out your your parents. It just means that that you now have a, a new kind of nucleus for 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 your family. Um, so yeah. So I'm not sure if I see a a, a contradiction or a, a a difficulty with non-Christian parents. Um, although the, there's definitely couples I know who maybe struggle with having too much of their parents involved in their relationship or in their families if they've got kids. Um, but I don't know if that's a, a specifically a Christian thing or if that's just down to individual relationships. So how important is it to have others involved in your relationship?
2: I was hearing today that the way that churches are in relationship mm. to how a life group is in regards to how an individual is, is that how potentially a, you know, a relationship or a marriage should be within the church as well, like comparative to a, a life group almost or a, a family unit, whereas that there is that sharing within that life group, within that family and that uh, orientation towards, you know, god but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily you know two distinct things or slightly overlapped it's that you are still within that church uh setting is that a family within
5: confused. i think what he means is like that i think we're thinking about this question potentially as like a negative intonation but actually a couple shouldn't be completely isolated like it shouldn't be just Mr and Mrs and we are one unit and that is all we are but like you know as if with the life group you also are incorporated into a bigger community of the church so in that sense we're individuals but at the same time when we come together we're a family unit and in the same way as life group as a family unit we are then also incorporated into a community of friends which is also very very important in terms of a support system um yeah like I, I think being married I think that there is so much more importance in having our own friends like jason should have his male support and i should have my own sort of female support like like there's a lot of like branches to it we have friends that we share together and there is also that importance where actually jason needs his his male support as a as a man as, as a husband and i and and just as a man really um like you know he needs friends who can you know, still pray with him, still fellowship with him. And the same way I've got like, you know, girls who I can go to that I, because, because I think Jason said this once to me, he can't be, he doesn't understand everything that I go through um, just because he's a male and I'm a female, like that's, that's, he, he can't answer all my questions or um, yeah, God can, but sometimes actually talking to a girl also gives me a lot more comfort it, it's 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 a different kind of friendship so I think what Jason's trying to say is yeah I think it, it is important to have community um it's important
3: to be plugged into a community as a couple yeah
2: good I like that
3: and I think another reason for that in terms of why couples shouldn't just be isolated when they get married is because when you get married, your life shouldn't revolve around your marriage, but your marriage still revolves around God and around loving the community. And that's why you also stay plugged in and connected to the community. Um, I took this question like from, I was thinking, you know, when you're saying, oh, should people be involved in your relationship all the time? Like when you're arguing. So I I thought of it in the sense of, I don't think that there should be an over-reliance of like couples on other people. Like, if every time we had a, an issue or had an argument, we relied on someone else, oh, please help fix our problems. I I don't think that's necessarily the best way, but I think it's really healthy and it's good and it's been helpful for us to have um, people to go to, like other couples and friends um, to talk to if we've had issues. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, just what I said in terms of separate friends, that is key, I think, and it's... Yeah, it's really good. It helps, keeps us, keeps us both healthy, spiritually and emotionally so that when we come together, we're not just, and this is our only source of conversation or which can be hard during uh, lockdown. You have to be very intentional in terms of video calling.
2: Yeah, completely agree with what Anna Anna was saying. Um, I think coming back to what you're talking about, about whenever you're in the heat of the moment and in arguments and in about the timing of when you go to ask for help, Uh, That's also, you know, that's really super relevant in what we're talking about. And whether as soon as you start tripping out over the first hurdle, whether both of you individually or whether together go to find someone for help um, is sometimes useful, but not always useful. I think for Hannah and I, we had the benefit of having marriage counselling to a degree beforehand to really talk through some of our issues. And that's something I'd definitely recommend or at least a marriage course, because it helped us to understand how we were fighting, why we were fighting some of the issues, which come up over and over again as core and central issues, and allows us thereafter in marriage to work some of those things out for ourselves. Now, it would be super, super easy to go back to find those uh, that same couple, to ask them to help us walk through every single argument but actually at the same time, I think they've given us keys to now in our marriage to help to unlock things. If we didn't have those that time and space and counseling from beforehand, which is this community, um, now I'd probably be saying, man, we'd be struggling so much and I know that in the first year of marriage so many people do struggle. And I think that's a time whenever hey if you've never saw, if you've never been in community before as a relationship, It kind of means that you need to find someone, I would say, to help you through, uh, gain the keys at least, to start unlocking these things and not to say, oh, actually I'm married, I'm now not supposed to go and find people to help. Uh, That's whenever you should potentially, if you're finding many, many closed doors, to go and find help from probably a lot older people who've done this (laughs) <laughs> I'd say properly married, uh, who have had many years of marriage to really help to unlock things.
4: I find that the advice um, which, we, which we've which we got from um, those older than us is um, it really helps um, to, for you two to actually sort things through yourself as well, because each, obviously each couple is um, going to be different, and the issues are always going to be slightly different depending on what you're arguing about or you know your personalities but it's that it's the wisdom which is timeless i guess in terms of you know how to um how and when the best time to communicate is and um just having sometimes even having someone um someone there to mediate i guess what you you guys are saying to each other can can help especially if it's super heated
0: it and it's not about like distilling Like here are my five top tips for marriage. Like I don't think because every like you said, Dan, every everyone experiences different different areas of friction, and um, so it's more I guess having having someone listen to what's going on because even though everyone has different situations, there will still be elements of realization of oh I see what's going on there. I guess it's all. I guess I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like yeah 90% of it is communication like right like you're saying one thing but they mean something else right let's talk about lockdown weddings so Jason and Hannah you your wedding was a week before we went into lockdown was it
2: something like that we were four days before lockdown the first lockdown and we were super fortunate. And super, I actually, can I reverse that? Not super fortunate. We were super blessed.
5: Christian.
2: Haha, <laughs> super Christian. Peace sign. Uh, we were super blessed to be able to. to shake your head. <laughs> you can <could> scratch that.
5: <laughs> Hashtag that I'm a Christian. I need to say Christian things. Fortunate <laughs> is not a thing. Luck is not a thing. Bless is a thing.
4: <laughs>
2: Sorry, guys. Who can find a virtuous woman for a price as part of the Uh So, yeah, we got, we got married four days before lockdown. We were super blessed um, because that really allowed the two of us to spend this time in lockdown. Um, but I would say second blessing is that both of us had work. So we weren't both at home all the time. So God knew exactly what we needed. And what we we really needed. Um, But it was... We were super blessed because we had everyone who... We wanted to come, plus more, come. And we were super blessed that in the end, even though we had to... uh, Some people couldn't come. We had people in the church who at the last second would be like, yeah, would love to come. Um, And that is something which really speaks of our body of the church because it shows that, man, they just want to come and celebrate and support and just have a a good time um, without feeling that element of pride. And that's where I was super glad to have those people come at last moment. So, yeah, that was our kind of where we were with, with wedding stuff.
5: You said blessed three times. Well done,
3: Christian.
2: <laughs> Are you for me or against me?
3: <laughs> okay, God is for you, Jason. <laughs> uh,
2: super Christian.
0: <laughs> All these Christian cliches. Okay. Um, and then Daniel and Anna, so you you got married in just, just before lockdown two, right? Or was it in lockdown two? It
3: was sort of, during lockdown so our wedding went from we planned for 150 then it went to 30 and then it went down to 15 and I think yeah our experience of it was different in terms of I found it a little bit chaotic to organize just because of the changes but I think for me it just helped me to trust God more um, in the process and I think it's the first time I've really experienced his peace in the midst of just, I don't know what's going to happen. Like People ask me, like, what's going to happen with the wedding? I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really know. But I was okay with it inside. And actually, one thing I just wanted to share, which was quite cool, was um, couples that I didn't usually speak to who were thinking about getting married or thinking about planning their wedding, they would sort of message me um yeah through social media and they'd be like hey um lockdown's happening what are you guys doing uh I don't know what to do what do you think about this and actually it sparked a lot of conversation about marriage and actually our priorities about marriage as a society and so for us it was that journey of distilling things down to okay what really matters for us um what really matters in marriage actually and yeah so that was quite cool. I think Daniel wants to elaborate.
4: Yeah so uh, on my side uh, in terms of um, planning a lockdown wedding it was really chaotic. Um, so we planned for 150 and then about it was about a month before the wedding that it went down to 30 people the government allowed and then it was about two weeks before the wedding that we were only allowed 15 people and then that was like scrambling around like oh Does that include the videographer? Does that include the photographer? Does that include, you know, the the reverend or the uh, the pastor who's marrying you? And so it was all of those rules and uh, a lot of changes, obviously, to your ceremony, to your reception. Are you going to keep on going with the reception or not? Um, So it was very chaotic and uh, very stressful um, in that time. But I think, I guess I just wanted to echo what Anna was saying in terms of uh, it really brought home to us what the what the meaning of marriage was and actually uh, what the most important thing um, for that day to happen is actually and um, I guess maybe in part God was saying to us you know it's not about how many people it's not about the show it's about between you Anna and God and the your the people closest to you I guess who are going to support you through throughout your wedding Um, and so actually my advice for lockdown (laughs) weddings would just be to really see if you can distill your wedding down to the people who you who are like must must be there um and to be fair like that does change from culture to culture um some people will be like your aunties and uncles and stuff have to be there um for for us it was just like you know direct family as much as as long as as yeah direct family if they can come and Uh, yeah one or two friends would be good Um, yeah and so that's what we that's what we did and it was a great great day yeah
3: it was a great day but it was really tough and I think the toughest thing about it for both of us I don't think was anything to do with the friends or the party I think it was having those conversations with family like like cousins of ours, aunties and uncles, like, I'm sorry, you didn't, in, you know, we only have 15 spots or just things that happened, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, meant that we couldn't have everyone we wanted there. But I think it was still a really nice day. And yeah, I don't know, I guess we're one of the few people who, who've who had like a small wedding with 15 people. And there's there's conversations and games that can only happen with like the dynamic of 15 people, like the private jokes that we had. So I guess it was special in its own way. Um, And I think, yeah, it's just what happened. It it was what it was. Um, But I really appreciated when we went on our honeymoon, just like rested for four days, because I think all that stress had just been building up for months and months and months. It was just so nice to just, Mm. yeah, relax yeah
0: yeah I can imagine uh did you guys ever consider postponing the wedding at any point
4: I think we considered postponing it when it went from like just no restrictions down to 30 yeah. when it was went down from 30 to 15 at that point we did consider again but at that point it's already like most people can't come so and then Uh, with those 15 people that we could have included we we could have had all of our family there so Mm. we were immediate family yeah immediate family so we decided to keep going and I think at that point yeah we just prayed about it so much and talked to uh, each other and our close family about it that it was wasn't really an option to postpone it again we didn't feel like it was
3: I guess we were prepared for the additional restrictions. I think from 100 to 30 came as a shock. Um, so we were, we yeah we seriously considered postponing it then as Daniel said. But when it went to 30, from 30 to 15 we already discussed okay what if there were only allowed six people and we said we just get married with our, both our parents there. And so we'd already already sort of made Prepared our hearts, I guess, for the scenario of it being cut further from 30. So at that point we were just committed to getting married. Was it quite an emotional experience for
1: you then? Were there a
3: lot of tears? A lot of tears. I think going back to what the question about or the conversation about community that we just had, I think my girls received a lot of phone calls and they called me pretty much every day to check up on me. Um, And there were a lot of tears in those months uh, leading up to the wedding, which I'm very grateful to them for. They have a lot of patience.
2: So I can imagine that some other couples are also making the decision about whether to have a wedding during lockdown. Do you have any regrets at all?
3: No. No. Um, No, no regrets. But I would say to people who are thinking of a lockdown wedding to really decide what I think, as as Daniel would word it, the essentials are for the day to go ahead. And so, for example, I know some people's uh, fathers are in a country who can't come and they just can't imagine getting married without their parents. And I would say, don't go ahead because you're, you are going to regret, your you know, if you could have waited for your parents to be there. Um, so I, I don't think there is harm in waiting, I think. I think by all means wait. I think just for us personally we've been we've been engaged for quite a while, we've been dating for quite a while and we've we've been looking forward to it and I guess we had yeah, luckily both our parents are in the country and they could travel to our wedding, so we just went for it.
4: Yeah, and actually like in terms of aunties, uncles or, or family who can who can't make it on the day, um, you still have the your once you've got once you've got married, it's not like your relationships with them break. You know, you still have the the rest of your marriage to to also share that time with them and to um, get to yeah get they can get to know you as like a married couple as well. Um, that one day is your celebration, but it's not it's not your marriage. It's just the very beginning. It's the starting line. So it's also important to keep that in mind um, as you tie the knot.
3: I don't know, though. We're just assuming that no one's mad at us. <laughs> we could leave lockdown <laughs> yeah, and then realise yeah. <laughs> family are angry. I think
0: it'd be yeah. number 16 on the list. <laughs> no, I really like how you kind of, yeah, how you talked about like distilling the the important parts of the wedding because I think everyone has these ideas of what they want, maybe, maybe girls, boys, guys like their dream wedding. But, um, even though, yeah, it would, would be nice to have had a big party and, you know, have everyone that you wanted there. Um, actually the important thing is, is making that, that covenant, isn't it? And that vow. And I guess like we were talking about earlier, leaving your families. So having your families there, if you, if possible, um, And making that that commitment before God. And and the celebration can happen at any point, really. So, um, yeah, I think that was really cool.
1: So, in preparation of the wedding, did you find yourself having... Okay, lockdown aside, I'm talking like... Your emotional internal fears. Did you have pre wedding pre wedding jitters, or you know fears for the wedding night and things like that?
3: <laughs> My answer would be yes, and I think it's normal to be nervous. I think from whatever background you are from and whatever experiences you've had up to the point where you are about to get married. Um, the thing which was helpful for me is that I talked to uh, women who I I was close to who were already married and just had honest conversations with them um, about it. And they actually offered a lot of reassurance and a lot of encouragement. And I think that helped to put my mind at ease. Um, Yeah, which comes back to the importance of having just, yeah, being part of a community where you feel like you can go, to people um to ask anything really and that they will give you a honest answer in a loving way as well um, so yeah that's all I have to say about that
0: no yeah I I had a, a similar thing like during our um wedding party like some some guy friends came and were like hey let me just give you a quick like <laughs> a quick five minute overview of what's gonna happen and that was that was helpful, yeah. What
1: what te- what was the overview?
0: That's definitely not going in the
1: podcast. Why we're exploring life? I think it's important to educate those that are not married.
2: I think for those who are under eighteen.
0: Yeah, we- I, I have me. to turn on a special setting in the podcast if if we include any more.
2: <laughs> this is yeah, amazing. Need to do, like, explicit. Explicit
5: content. <laughs> Please, yeah, you know how there are some songs that has explicit next to it. Can you put that on?
0: Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, um, yeah. No, just just useful from um, some practical tips, um, and just I guess seriously. Yeah, just some. Yeah, we don't need to go into more detail. I can't. I don't know if I can remember too much. I just want to
3: say something. Like I think,
5: like being all question about like i don't know okay no anyway i'm just gonna say it as it is like i think we sh- it shouldn't be a taboo thing yes like i think hmm. people should just like i love that a guy came to you ben and said let me just give you a download and like i think i've done that to a few newlyweds i i just straight up asked them how's your sex life like i don't think it should be a taboo thing hmm. between couples. it's a beautiful it's a beautiful gift that god's given Two married couple within a covenant to be able to do something so intimate, and like it should be, yeah, it should be something that is 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 freely shared with couples within couples, and and it's not, it's I didn't, yeah, I think practical tips is really important, like yeah, I, I've told, yeah, I've spoken to a few girls and just been really really open about it and just be like, how's it like, like you need tips, <laughs> and yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think. I don't think we should not not
1: talk about. It. I think it's because it's because we don't encourage premarital sex, okay? But when it's in a marriage setting, it's in a safe safe place, then yeah, I think it's important for couples to talk about it. Um it shouldn't be a taboo. Um like there is no because once it's a taboo, you know, you're not going to be able to you know share
3: life and you're not able to help one another um but I think I agree in terms of conversations about sex shouldn't be taboo but I think conversations about sex should be purpose-driven and I think it should be the conversation should happen within a particular context and so I didn't necessarily go around asking and sort of having these conversations when I was single or even dating actually it was when I was thinking about getting married when I was preparing to get married this is when I started having those conversations and I think that is something I would advise just so that you don't get caught up in you don't end up focusing on one element of marriage and like over what's the word um glamorizing it in a way which it doesn't deserve and actually so that you think about sex in a healthy way um up to the point where yeah. you're getting married I think that's also important
4: at least from uh I guess uh, my point of view um as well in terms of the wedding night in particular I'd say like I think it's already been mentioned but just to, to sum it up it's you know it's a safe it's a safe place between you two and the important thing is you know to keep it fun to keep it relaxed and to actually enjoy each other's company after you've got married and enjoy each other after you've got married it's it's shouldn't be something which is um yeah just like anna was saying like overly glamorized to a point where there should be pressure because it it, it should be a joyful thing it should be uh, a something where you know a, a husband and wife are coming into union um and to keep it yeah to keep it fun on your wedding night is is just really important
3: yeah, and to just keep a healthy perspective as well. It's like this one night is not the only opportunity for you to get to know each other in that way. You have the rest of your lives to explore. And I think it's also understanding that um, if it doesn't go the way that you expect it to, that you have days and weeks and months and years um, to explore that side of marriage.
0: But But that's the point, isn't it? When you get married, you don't instantly become like you don't instantly know everything about your partner. You're still getting to know them and marriage is still this process of of deepening your relationship. And it's just that now there's one more dimension to doing that. Um, or it's not even there's one more dimension because I guess you can still have physical affection apart from sex before you get married. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just that you're deepening that physical aspect as well as the emotional aspect. Um, so... In in the same way that that I think from my own experience I wasn't I was nervous about the wedding in general. I wasn't nervous about saying I do. Um well that's not what we say in England, is it? I wasn't nervous about saying yes and, and taking buddy as my wife. I wasn't nervous about the wedding night in that way. Um because it's just this you're just opening this door i guess um so yeah that's my experience anyway
2: and i love what you said just now in terms of like it's just another dimension of you knowing that the other person because that also comes from the bible i know that it was said in another podcast about knowing and naming i think mm. um but whenever you go back to genesis 4 1 and it talks about how adam knew eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain. um this knowing of you know, in the Bible, kind of saying that knowing is this is such closeness, which comes actually in this physical, uh, you know, sexual union, um, which is that bit which talks about knowing, and I think that speaks to what actually last week I was mentioning in terms of how I, you know, I really needed to know God in that really union-esque kind of way and you know i love that as you say sex is just another part of that knowing and that union within a marriage mm. and it just points again just to how much we just need to know god
0: yeah i remember his one one tip from that conversation um it's really practical. No, uh, it's um that actually one of the guys was like in in being able to in in having sex and having and knowing someone that that intimately it 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 can lead you into a deeper understanding of of God and who he is and and the fact that he's created designed our relationships with with other with our wives and husbands to to be that close and then knowing that God knows us even more intimately than that, Absolutely. um, was really like it. Yeah. It, it was helpful not just because it helped my relationship with God, but it, it it's almost, um, it's, it's like, it's a, a way to redeem the way that sex is portrayed by society. Um, and and where we're, it's, it can be seen as this selfish, selfish, self-serving thing actually it gave me the opportunity to to turn it around and and be like here's an opportunity for worship which i think is pretty cool Mm
2: -hmm. but pre-wedding jitters it's all about that speech it is all about that speech (laughs) yeah even having that thought of gosh i hope the maid of honor speech isn't that good (laughs) Uh, sorry i'm just talking real uh but I am super. Why didn't
5: you compare it to the dad's speech? Do you know it was going to be bad?
2: Because I knew that it was going to be super heartfelt. And yeah. And there's something which a dad can say, which a dad should be able to say.
3: I love the speeches. Oh, I do. It was really funny.
2: Yeah. But I think that it, for the guy, um, the, the speeches is the, the pinnacle. And it's. It's so stupid because it's so self centered. And uh, at the same time, it's not even about your speech, it's about the best man's speech, really. Um, <laughs> uh, yours is just the thank yous. Um, yeah.
5: He was so proud of it, though. He was like, oh, I'm so glad I'm actually quite
4: funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Please
4: keep that in.
3: Please, Please keep, keep that, that in. in. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, he <laughs> <laughs> felt so sensible. So <laughs>
2: It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shed with pulse and <laughs> rife. <laughs> well, you're, you're full of scripture today.
1: It's prepared, clearly. So, but in terms of, okay, so we're still talking about lockdown life and we're talking about lockdown weddings. How has it been during lockdown uh, for your marriage?
4: We don't know what it's like to not be in lockdown in our. This is the
3: only way. (laughs) That is true. That is true. (laughs) You don't know anything better. (laughs) I mean, we had four
2: days.
3: (laughs) How was that? How was the four days?
2: I think we were called back to like emergent, like hospital life. If you get what I mean.
3: How was the four days? It was
5: normal, like lockdown.
2: (laughs) It was. Us gearing up for lockdown
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I guess like what what are you expected to do in those four days?
2: <laughs> I think it was very different because we had planned our going away honeymoon two weeks later. if we hadn't planned it to go away immediately, I think it would have been a very different situation
1: has it has lockdown helped your marriage or made it harder made it worse
2: It's hard to know because in another universe to compare it to that makes sense i don't want to answer this one i've spoken enough
0: i feel like it's it's going to be you know like every the point of marriage is that you're going through you're facing whatever life throws at you together and and so it's just another challenge, you know it's just it's just another mm. hurdle or difficulty that that you're figuring out how to help each of the three, so I don't yeah and I guess for you guys, especially not not having anything to compare it to <laughs> makes it makes it more difficult i think
2: I think when it came to our relationship <clears throat> uh before lockdown we were traveling quite a lot to sometimes visit family and friends on the weekend. Um, one of the benefits of this lockdown has been that we have been able to spend more time together, even during the weekends and observe each other's habits, react to each other's habits, um, get lazy about our own habits and then have to Review that and um, really sometimes just work things out, as Ben was saying. Um, But it's really to intentionally, you know. Now we have this time together, a bit like how we say families have time with their children. Um, It's tough sometimes homeschooling, but actually, at the end, when we look back on it, there are these nuggets where we see, hey, I got to spend a lot more time with families and with each other, and working things out, which will probably end up better for the future and laying more foundations. Mm. Sure, we might have ended up having more crawls than if we were separate, but who knows? Uh, We are probably communicating more, um, but... Mm. And I think that will set up for better um, foundations for the future.
4: Yeah, I would say like the... We don't really have a, a lot to compare it to because we've been in lockdown for, for our whole marriage so far. But mm-hmm. it's definitely easier than before we were married when trying to plan the wedding, uh, <laughs> for one. And then the other thing is, is that like now that we're married, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Ben was saying, it's about tackling the different challenges which you're going to face, which you're going to face together. And so how I view it, at least, is that. This is just another challenge in some ways. Um, If you're like being stuck in a box or two rooms together uh, for long periods of time, um, that has its own challenges. But just in the same way, I feel like um, not being on lockdown can present its own challenges. Maybe potentially you don't see each other enough um, if you're both working or There's always going to be different challenges in a a marriage. It's just how you deal with it and how you communicate and how you love each other.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and I think another thing which comes with being married in lockdown, it has from a in a practical sense, it's got to do with um, being disciplined and organised. In like when you do your work and then when you're spending time together and just being really intentional about uh, setting up phone calls with people and turning up to online. Um, fellowship groups and things like that. It, it it really challenges your discipline and how you uh, encourage one another to be disciplined or be lazy in that sense. Because uh, I think that affects how things are on lockdown. Because you're each other's biggest influence. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just being mindful of like trying to help each other have good habits during lockdown.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Marriage during. During a pandemic, not a lot of people can say that they got married during a pandemic. It must be so intense, right?
4: It might be easier because we don't have anything to compare it to, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can imagine if we had, we're live, you know, living our own lives. Jason might be living his own old ways, and sometimes gallivanting out and finding old, fr- you know, friends to hang out with, and. Uh, having that tension between becoming responsible as a husband versus wanting to be the old person that he was before.
1: Do you miss being a bachelor, boys?
2: No. 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 I was just saying uh, that I love not having to think about ...relationship question mark stuff, that's not really explaining it very well. I love being in a relationship now. Um, I think there is this chapter or these questions which played on my mind, probably because relationships really meant something to me, either subconsciously or had carried this weight. And this idea of who, where, when, question mark, romanticizing, which I can put into a bag and put down. And maybe it's something that I should have worked out beforehand, you know, as in my identity with Christ. But actually coming to this relationship has meant that I've been able to put something down and actually focus on things, other things, now is what I'm trying to say in short. It may not be the most politically correct way of putting it um, but that's just been my experience from getting married and making that vow and that covenant of okay so there's no looking out anymore Mm. there's this hey now I can actually kind of think about what Hannah and I are going to do and I know that so many single people are already able to achieve that and that's where it really shows maybe a uh, a crack or a fault in myself and how I view things, which didn't allow me to to do that.
1: Girls, do you miss not being a wife?
2: Being a spinster? Is that the word?
0: That no, sort of sounds, not the so, spinster, um, a hen. Yeah.
5: Is it spinster? Oh, no, that's a widow. It is
0: spinster. No, it is spinster, but it's, it's, it's not a very nice-sounding word, is it?
2: What does spinster mean? It makes I me think of a cat lady. It's the-,
1: <laughs> it's the it's 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 the one that spins a wheel to make wool. So you know the the spinning wheel that Sleeping Beauty touched the needle of and then had uh, yeah got poisoned and fell asleep until you know her true love's kiss came along and woke her up. So a spinster is someone who spins a wheel and and makes wool into um, thread okay. And and so, but traditionally, it's just basically the word means in old English terms, someone, a female who has is not married. That's all it is. And even on your marriage. Yeah, sp- it's like bachelor. Yeah, like bachelor, right. the equivalent of bachelor. So anyway, so do do you girls miss not being what, like pre, pre-wives? Do you miss that life, the single life?
3: Uh, do I miss it? Uh I don't know because it's been lockdown, so I don't really know. But I guess I did have sort of worries that I would miss it just because just because I'm like the only one out of my friendship group who has sort of moved on to marriage and so I had a bit of like FOMO or what if like the girls go on holiday without me and then all i do start doing stuff without me so for that reason i had i was like oh well i have really bad fomo but now i don't miss single life how much i enjoy being married hannah uh, yeah i definitely do sorry <laughs> that's
5: fine right. okay. yeah that's okay you, you, why how person. why how um is
1: marriage life really that hard
5: no, it's not hard. It's just a different kind of Yeah, I, I I I think it's also because it's lockdown. Like it doesn't aid things. Um like yeah, I, I I think sometimes there is um so there there are aspects of marriage that I miss. Like I think there are certain things that I did not expect after marriage. Um and I think one of it is potentially relationships with other girlfriends like I think it takes a lot more intention um to maintain the friendship potentially um especially in lockdown because I, I think this kind of answers the previous question as well how has marriage been in lockdown um it can be quite intense like it's been great but it also can be quite intense because you go straight into sort of I, I guess that's why people go away on a honeymoon right so that they have that intentional time just with the two of them, but with this extended lockdown, it's been just the two of us for a very long time, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not moaning about it. But I think it also has an effect on on friendships potentially. Um, yeah. So, in in terms of that, I think it, it's it kind of goes hand in hand. Like I miss certain aspects of of being single, but I think that also comes with. Sort of being married in lockdown
2: what hannah was saying just now about whether the, you know the single people would go out together and then as a, they think sometimes that as a married couple you need time together all the time it's, it's it, that's true that they're looking out for you and that's really really great um but i think it's just that you, um it's one of those assumptions and presumptions And one of those things that even me as a single guy, I would never really go and find out or, try. you know, I'd see it as maybe sometimes a different life stage and therefore having a a weird barrier, um, which I don't think is necessarily true. And especially during the lockdown, I think it's just really nice whenever other people come and ask each of us out individually, because the truth is we have so much time together and it's Okay. And it's not that we're moaning about it, but it's it's, it's fine, guys. <laughs> this is not call for help. Um, but in the same way, I other guys in relationships who also might feel the same way.
3: Um, yeah, Daniel just reminded me of something. Um, I guess something that came up during marriage counseling that, uh, like, Bert, I think Bert mentioned or someone mentioned while we were on the course when you get married like after you get married your friends tend to assume that you're fine because you've got each other so they might not like check up on you as often or they you know they just assume you're fine because you have each other um so that's a conversation that I had with my girlfriends and I texted them right after that marriage counseling session it was like oh please still like check up on me because it's still it doesn't mean that just because you were married that I don't want this friendship anymore or I'm always okay. And actually something that helped was I think because we mentioned that planning the wedding was quite chaotic, I think at one point you messaged my friends and said, oh, can you call Anna because I think she needs to talk to someone other than me. And I think because there's that sort of relationship between all of us, I think they also have a good understanding of that that's not the case, that just because you're married you don't need those separate friendships or you need it less than them, I guess? That sounds that sounds really good. That
1: that sounds really good. Cause um I think I think the final question now would be how can we as a Christian community better support newlyweds during this lockdown season? And I think you kind of mentioned that, Anna.
0: So I think I think thinking about this like from our church's perspective. It's been it's really difficult, um, especially to, to know how to support couples, especially um, like in your case, Anna, where you've moved to Birmingham and kind of it would have been really nice to for us as a church to have got to know you like as you move down. And I guess maybe we have a bit, but it feels like there's, it's hard to know what's going on in everyone's, lives because we're not spending time with each other right like we're not we're not able to naturally kind of just be around each other and and be able to have those those spontaneous conversations um so i think thinking about um maybe couples that we know who are going to get married or um or couples that have got married in lockdown there's definitely this this element of like could be really isolating i guess it could be this this feeling of like i don't know who the community around me is um and yeah i I don't know how we can better do that because these kind of online things there's always limitations i guess
3: yeah i think even though the online things do have limitations they're still very good i think i would have felt isolated had i not been um had i not joined the walking with god and had i not have such a good group of girls to talk about things to and mm. to actually disciple me in things up till and after marriage um so i think there is a good community online but it's not the same i agree with yeah mm. it has limitations as well
4: yeah so i guess the the main thing is just to even if yeah i guess it's just the same as if someone had come to a to a city and you can meet the person in person it's just you know, And now we just need to message or Zoom or just, yeah, introduce, learn to introduce ourselves over online uh, (laughs) and get to know each other in in that way. I think Uh, for newlyweds, yeah, just somebody reaching out and messaging, uh, yeah, can mean a lot, just like uh, I think my brother was mentioning earlier as well.
5: One thing that I find myself doing is um, assuming that people are too busy or are very busy to spend time with me or just too busy with all the other responsibilities to then have time to, you know, have have time. So I always just just always put that on them, like, okay, that person is too busy. I I don't want to bother them. But actually, it's important to reach out. And I think if, yeah, if... yeah, it's it's important to reach out, and also, actually, I think I would I would love to have someone bother <laughs>
1: you. Kind
5: of. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily love it when people are like, "Oh, that person is too busy." Like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna bother it them. Um, but actually, I really love it when people call me or text me and be like, "Actually, do you want to go for a walk?" Um. Yeah, just reach out because. I guess, like like Jason said, like you kind of just make that assumption, yeah, um, on people, and I guess I do that. So I think in the same way, I I would love for people not to do that towards me, like that that to assume that I'm too busy. Because like, I think lockdowns really showed me that, like you know, I the, the church community is there, um, but people are not reaching out, and we are not. We also don't know who to reach out to, um. So I think reach out and not assume that people are too busy, because I think people more than anything, have quite a lot of time now, especially us, like people like us who do not have kids (laughs) Um, with each other, actually. We have too much time with each other. Um, So, yeah.
2: So not necessarily just newlyweds, but just for each other in our church communities.
5: Yeah, dads and
1: moms and anybody really, singles. What practical advice would you give to someone thinking about relationships or marriage? in this season
3: uh one piece of advice for pursue relationships pursue god first because if you pursue god first you are just in a better position or posture to make better decisions (laughs) so i think that would be the one thing
2: absolutely i think uh marriage only uh exposes, exacerbates, increases um, feelings and uh, tendencies and habits. Uh, And if these things aren't uh, kind of thought about, worked through with God, um, you find that these things come up later on as sometimes bigger things. Um, You know, we're talking about relationships, and I would absolutely agree with Anna in the sense that God's the one who created relationships. He lives in that relationship. Uh, father son and holy spirit cultivating that relationship so you understand and you learn what relationship really means and matters what love really means and what it really matters so that actually in relationship with another human you can really try to demonstrate that uh, pure love that uh, unwarranted love as often as much as possible and where you feel like you can't really realising that that relationship with God is still there, so you can still lean on the, on him uh, in that relationship of three. I think that's just adding to what Anna was just saying.
3: Yeah, and a book which has been mentioned sort of as a passing comment a few times is like Timothy Keller's The Meaning of Marriage. And I think it is honestly such a good book to read. Um, when thinking about the topic of marriage. And I think for me, why I thought it was amazing was just it, it helped me understand the Trinity in a deeper way. And that helped me understand God's love for me in a new way. And I think that's at the heart of it. It's just the same thing that Jason was saying. Like the more you get to know God because God is love, the more you understand what love is. And if you understand love and you understand how loved you are, then you are better equipped to love those around you. And so it's just, it all comes back to God in the end. Mm-hmm. Can I just add two pieces of practical
5: advice? Like 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 seeking God and stuff, it's really, really good. But I think for me personally, like going through relationship, I think like what I find two things is like every relationship is very, very different. Um, So don't look at somebody else's and say, I'm not achieving that or oh, I'm not my relationship doesn't reflect that. But your relationship should be. So I think that's where seeking God's really, really important because, yeah, because the relationship God has with the church, and it doesn't matter what it looks like, it's more, yeah. It's that that then becomes sort of your foundation, and that security comes from there. And the other thing is um find someone more experienced um to yeah, like I think we all talked about wise counsel and counseling and stuff and I think if things do get really bad don't don't be worried to ask for help um that's my two piece of advice
4: yeah if we're going on the advice route my one piece of advice is uh when you're when you're arguing and you're upset at the other person try praying for your relationship at that point and it usually helps in my experience it just You realize that some of the things you might be arguing about just really aren't important um yeah and it helps you through
3: i have another thing to add but i don't know if it fits in to this slot i think henna hinted at it and it was just to talk about humility i think when thinking about a relationship it is really important to have humility and um just when i was thinking about this podcast i was looking at uh, Titus 2 3 to 5, when it talks about older women are instructed to train the younger women, um, in godliness, etc. And I was thinking, like, I think it's implicit that in that sense, the women who are being instructed, like the younger women, um, they must have humility to accept that sort of training from someone older than them. And I think you know, all of us have mentioned counsel, I think you can't really be counseled or trained if you're not humble um and so that's something that i would walk into relationships with or thinking about relationships with is to approach it with humility
1: anyhow thank you so much guys for being on the show
0: yeah thanks and the previous show and the one before that
1: and the one before (laughs) that that. yeah yeah (laughs) i don't know how many times
0: thank you for for being our our monthly (laughs) residents For, for this month. It's been really good. Uh, I think we've had some good conversations and, and some really very good very
1: good. And you know what good is in Chinese? Ho. Oh. oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> so listen, guys, uh, if you guys have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. We say this every single time at the end of the show. We don't actually receive much uh, feedback, so we'd love to have your voice so it's not just us speaking or our um guest speakers um so come and send us a message let us know what you think of the show so far and if you have any questions please send us our way where to ben where
0: Abside at the bcc.org.uk
1: well thank you again to the host bye bye, bye.